Welcome to Dry Clean Only Conversations on Fashion and Style. I'm your host, Kristen Cole in New York. I'm a fashion consultant with 20 years experience in the industry as a high concept retailer, fashion director, founder, and buyer. I'm here for all the conversations around the many changes in fashion right now. And that's what I'm bringing to you on this pod. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so today, this is episode 20, where I have the pleasure of speaking with one of my favorite New York designers, Gigi Burris, a milliner I've known for many years and I'm such a fan of. Gigi is based on the Lower East Side, downtown New York. You can also find her hats and lovely creations at some of the best stores around the world and online, including Bergdorf Goodman and Neiman Marcus and a large selection through her Gigi Burris website. We catch up on what she's been up to, the founding of her business, her path to millinery, as well as an exciting new nonprofit she has just launched called closelycrafted.org. Check that out. Before we jump into the interview and all things millinery, craft, and independent business, a few things. It's August 22. It's actually gorgeous out. We are finally out of the very oppressive New York heat wave. I'm in Tribeca recording out of Spring Place today. August means a lot of things, including the last glorious days of summer and also the very start to the Spring 23 collections and Fashion Week's cycle. As Copenhagen Fashion Week has just wrapped, Copenhagen Fashion Week has officially gone fur-free and continues to show a focus on sustainability. All very exciting. A few highlights for me, Ghani, of course, Joyride was the name of their collection. It was very cool, unfussy. Lots of little dresses, punchy colors, cool little BMX-inspired color block nylon jackets, sharp price points, easy styling. Their sustainable practices are so amazing. All these things make Ghani a perennial favorite. I loved a number of pieces from Saks Potts. They are continuing their reinvention for free, newish look. I really liked some of their cargo pants and carpenter pants and halter styles and some really cute little dresses with sequins and large paillettes. Love that brand. Love those girls. Many other great collections too, of course. In general, so many great Scandi brands out there. The street style out of Copenhagen was also really uplifting. Obviously a very photogenic city and so many, you know, people posing on their bicycles, which is very cute. (laughs) But there were a ton of baggy pants, trousers, cargo pants, uh, bright colors, bodycon dresses worn with running sneakers, guys and girls carrying cute little bright handbags, bucket hats. Overall, just very kind of cool and casual and looked really fun. Some brands have just released their Fall 22 collections to the press and Vogue Runway, like Monse and Rachel Comey, in line with the Buy Now, Wear Now cadence, which of course makes a ton of sense these days. I have to say, going through the Rachel Comey collection, it all looked pretty phenomenal. I marked a few things that I want to buy that are super wearable, a little offbeat, and it's exciting because I can actually go buy now. Imagine that. Speaking of offbeat, I have to call out this weekend's Tea Magazine featured a fantastic fashion spread by artist Irvin Verm, uh, fashion suited for surreal times. It was really kind of odd and wonderful and showed a lot of sculptural high impact fashion. For me, it just highlighted the essence of Fall 22, which feels really special and unexpected right now. Over this past week, fashion mourned the passing of two designers, the beloved and iconic, massively influential designer Issey Miyake, who passed away at 84. 
known for his sculptural pleats over a long career and famously dressing Grace Jones for so many years. Also, New York-based indie designer Katie Gallagher passed away last week at the young age of 35, known best for her dark romantic aesthetic. Vogue is set to introduce a new public-facing concept to Fashion Week called Vogue World on September 12th. The event is centered, seems centered around live selling and maybe promoting their e-com venture. Tickets are on sale for up to $3,000 for a front row ticket. Vogue has certainly organized public-facing events before, like Fashion Night Out and other initiatives in response to crisis and economic downturns. So it's not surprising to see them trying something new at the tail end of all of this you know, pandemic hardship. And while everyone continues to respond and reinvent in this rapidly shifting industry, it's interesting. I'm curious to see what happens there. Uh, there's certainly lots of big industry effort going into keeping New York Fashion Week alive and well uh, with a host of new commitments by brands to help reinforce the week and keep it relevant on the global stage. It's sales season, which is a glorious time of the year. The best time to get incredible deals at retail is, of course, in August and January. When I was a retailer, this was the most painful time of year for me. This is when you get to see all of your buying mistakes and missteps and miscalculations and when you get to see your margin completely eroded. So now as a consumer, it's awesome. I just bought an incredible awake mode deconstruction trench coat for a steal. I'm now on the hunt for a perfect Chelsea boot for fall. To shop sale smart, you make a list of the pieces you are really needing for your wardrobe, like a new puffer or a slim new ankle boot or a great knit, whatever it is, and then pointedly set out to find it. Visit your favorite designers websites. They all have sales going on right now or go to a big e-tailer, your favorite local boutique, whether it's online at Aporte, Essence, Moda, they all have great sales right now. And I'm sure Nordstrom and Saks and Bergdorf's as well. Today I am in transition dressing, I think, which is kind of exciting. I'm wearing a black silk Celine button-down shirt that I'm not worried about sweating through. I bought this in Italy. It's very chic and understated. I'm wearing the same old vintage 501s I wear all the time and a three-year-old pair of silver Prada sandals that I live in. And uh, Gigi is wearing the cutest little brimless straw hat, which you, I wish you could see, but you can find it on her website. And she is definitely one of those designers who always is her best model. So anyways, on to my interview with Gigi joining me over Zoom now. Good morning. <laughs> Good so morning. Nice. So nice to see you. I'm having some coffee with you. I love it. I, I, you know, when you said a woman after my own heart, I was like, of course she's the kind of person that gets up early. You have to. I do. I do. I wake up, you know, pretty much 6am every day, you know, on a good day, 530. And then, you know, on a lazy day seven, but I've been like that for a long time. And I really, I do love the mornings and I like mm. to like read and have coffee and like wake up slowly. So I absolutely, like you, can't, you can't do that and have that time with, you know, small children in the house, like to mm -hmm. yourself. I know I'm even a, a husband, I'm just like, I, it's such <laughs> precious time alone. Yeah. It's really nice. I and love as the a morning. creative, you need that to reset and you can't do it when you're fatigued. No. And I don't like being like shot out of a cannon, mm -hmm. you know, it's like just running into my day. Like I like mm -hmm. that 
like this is my second cup of coffee and you know love it we're good we're good um what are you wearing today Gigi what's this oh hat? my gosh so this is the Laura this is our like honestly really popular style right now Laura it's so cute so it's a Milan straw so this is a sewn okay. straw and we actually had this on Zana she wore it when she hosted the Kentucky Derby this season amazing oh that's yes! so cool is that <laughs> like really, the it was fun to see pinnacle event for hat design the Kentucky Derby or like the Met Gala you know each you know there's these satellite luncheons that are mm-hmm. happening there's one in Texas actually in Houston um Naples and then uptown where all the ladies are required to wear hats oh that's so great I mm-hmm. love it so I that's pulled, a good one for us I pulled my new hat out and put it um oh, behind me it. because <laughs> I wanted to ask you the name of it because I am so obsessed it's called the Jean. No, it's such a great hat. And since I bought it from you, I mean, I've worn it every day. I've traveled with it. I love it. It's that so makes me so great. happy. And I told you, you know, I'm not really a hat person. I just don't think they look great on me, but I'm now kind of addicted and I'm definitely coming back for that other little cutie. The one we talked about with the, the yes, the midnight. Yeah. What, what style is that? That one's so cute too. I think it's called the Noel. The Noel. Yeah, yeah. I love that. What are some of your favorite styles in your collection right now? So it's hard. To, it's like choosing a favorite child. Personally, I feel like you and I have very similar taste. So mm-hmm. we will go for like, the unusual pieces. Yeah. Whereas what the the like greater population thinks is is the most yeah. popular, I guess would be quite different. So I yeah. really like this one, yeah. which has made me the Laura, which has made me pleased to hear that masses have also adopted this kind of unusual style because this yeah. doesn't have a brim. And sometimes in the summer, people are very like brim focused. They want a wide brim hat. Mm-hmm. Like they need the, yeah. What's the most like accessible entry gateway drug to, to, to <laughs> so the hat world? We believe it's the gene that you have. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's really versatile. And it's not precious. And I exactly. think that sometimes when people, and we also have the jean in Panama straw, which is mm-hmm. a little more delicate because it's woven versus yours, which is sewn, which yeah. is sewn braid. But, you know, sometimes people are scared to wear the hat because they're going to yeah. damage it. But yeah. the way that we manufacture, the way that we craft that jean is it's sewn with two different braids. So it makes it resilient. So, okay. So I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you today because yes. I love you. And I just, I don't know that many milliners. How did you get into this particular field of fashion? Well, foremost, I would like to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. <laughs> I'm very, very honored and very grateful. And, you know, um, to give a little bit of context, I also very grateful for all of the real belief that you've had in me in my career as I was first starting, you know, you were one of the first buyers who picked up the collection and encouraged me. You've consistently been such a force of encouragement in my life. So thank you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, you know, I always really loved working with my hands and I loved art. And, um, from a young age, I would go to, you know, museum camp and sign up for art classes. I'm from a small town in central Florida, a suburb of Tampa. So we grew up in a, in a tiny community and art was really something that I've, I've always loved. And I sewed with my grandmother. My grandmother taught me how to sew when I was, you know, very young and we would sew together clothes for my dolls and my Halloween costumes. So there was a creative, yeah, creative streak and also a 
love of making things. I wanted to work in fashion and my mom read about Parsons School of Design in a magazine and she said, I think you should apply. And I was very blessed that I was accepted and got so to move great. to New York after yeah. high school, which, which was changes everything. Shock. Yeah, yes. yeah, changes everything. No, me too. And so not only was I here in the city, I was able to study at Parsons and when I was a junior, I was accepted into their Parsons Paris program, which was a study abroad program. And while there, they focused the education around savoir faire. Mm. And we learned textile development. And we really learned about more of a slow focused romantic craft production. And yeah. when I was in Paris, there were these gorgeous little shops that would sell millinery veilings mm-hmm. and millinery felts and these gorgeous 100% cotton grow green ribbons. And to me, that was such an escape. And that was such a dream, dreamy, dreamy place. And so when mm-hmm. I came back to Parsons in New York, they were offering a millinery class and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fun. I've always loved hats, always dressed with hats. Took the course. There were five students at the time in the class And really enjoyed, there was a source of joy when school was quite stressful. There was a lot of pressure on us in the ready to wear bachelor program. And so that was a sort of escape for me to make hats. And I went on to intern with my teacher one summer and she taught me couture feather work and really intimately. Yeah, I got to learn from her. And so she had a major order business and worked with runway designers who were really hands-on and honed my skill set. And then when I did my senior thesis, I presented a ready-to-wear collection with accompanying hats. And it was really the industry that took notice of the hats. And so I was nominated for designer of the year. So exciting. It worked so hard. So I felt very accomplished at the time. And and it was the hats that, that people really took notice of. And so... When I graduated, there was a stylist, you know, you're young, you're coming up in the city. There was a stylist assistant who had worked with Rihanna's team. So Rihanna ended up wearing some pieces out of the gate. Yes. And so I graduated and it was really difficult for me to find a job. It was after the recession. So I hustled. I did freelance stylist assisting, worked part-time, retail, Mm -hmm. interned and hustled, kept making these hats. And I had stylist assistant friends who would you know, um, ask for custom commissions and we ended up getting on the cover of Italian Vogue and we ended up having these amazing pieces. Yeah. Being featured and slowly it it formed into a real business and, um, it's been an amazing learning experience and I get to learn every day. And, but I do believe that I've been called to do this and I am grateful for every day that I get to do what I love. And there was a hole in the market for a young person coming in with a fresh perspective on on this craft. Yeah. And you know, so many people don't realize even when you have a hat on the cover of Italian Vogue, even when you are producing great recognized product, so many people are still hustling behind the scenes to mm-hmm. make, you know, to make ends meet. And it does take a minute before a business can really support you. This makes a lot of sense, you know, your kind of love of craft and how you came up in the industry. Tell me about Closely Crafted, which I'm so excited about and think it's beyond genius. Really exciting. Thank you so much. So this has just been such a jolt of energy. You know, when I have been building this company for some time now, um, to really 
pivot in addition to still running my company, of course, and create a nonprofit that shines a spotlight on the gorgeous craft that we have here in the American fashion industry and shine a spotlight on the crisis that it is dying. For someone who hasn't heard about Closely Crafted, can you explain the basic premise? So Closely Crafted is a 5013C nonprofit based in New York City. And our main focus is to educate consumers on the value and the integrity and the impact that craft has in the American fashion industry and preserve and sustain that craft industry through master apprenticeship programs. So to capture generational knowledge from veterans in savoir faire focused industries and pass that, all the details, all of the tricks of the trade to young people so that we can continue to offer onshore manufacturing in the luxury space of fashion. That's amazing. Any exciting new developments there? I know you have different partners. I know you're working with other brands who, you know, share your same ethos. So we launched in July mm-hmm. of 2022. So we have been public now for only five weeks and yeah. it has just been humbling the outpouring of support from designers, mm-hmm. from artisans, big and small. It's almost been overwhelming that we feel there's so much need. There's so much need for a sense of community. How do we even tackle that issue? And all we can do is one person at a time, one day at a time and do the best we can. And we, and we're not going to hold ourselves to benchmarks where we feel like we can't succeed. Simply starting the conversation is going to be the first sort of real accomplishment. Yeah. It's iterative. If there's some person or student who's very interested in this program, how do they apply to become uh, an apprentice and and to get involved? So we right now don't have a formal application as we're sort of fleshing out what exactly this framework looks like. How can we best benefit the student? And we also Mm want to be flexible because so many programs are from larger, more established nonprofits and it's sort of not intuitive and it's not responsive responsive to actual need. So we really want to frame this around need and help. So if they could email us, which is hello at closelycrafted.org, we are going to take an individual approach, a bespoke approach to each, each inquiry and, and hopefully, and, and we will respond and hopefully find a place for that student. Amazing. And even if it's not an apprenticeship, we want to have a workforce talent pipeline because we know that there are jobs available. And if you want to work, we can find you one. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. And and then your studio, you're kind of in the Chinatown Dime Square area. Tell me a little bit about the neighborhood, how it's evolved. I know it's like, you know, this hot neighborhood, but it's also like too hot. So many things are happening right now. So you and I had coffee a few weeks back and, and sort of commiserated how gorgeous and also horrible the changes can be in a neighborhood. So we've been in the Lower East Side really honestly ever since I started my business. I worked from my apartment and then I was right there on Dime Square on Grand Street, fifth floor walk up. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so excited that I have my own space in, in, in the neighborhood that's big enough that we can do fulfillment from there. We can host people to our studio and they I love try your on the pieces. Thank you. Like great atelier. But it's been really exciting to see other creatives come into yeah. the neighborhood. I think that's the most exciting thing. Yeah. And, you know, we have Hypebeast next door. We have, you know, such incredible retail 
and yeah. Bodie, Sandy Liang, exactly. Yeah. Who else? Has Susie Condi. Oh yeah, Susie Condi. Yeah, so yep. And it's cool to see people in the neighborhood. It's really nice to step outside and run into folks. And mm-hmm. what's very exciting is that we actually just did our first wheat paste campaign. Oh, I love that so yes. much. Oh my gosh. I only did one of those in my entire career. And I was just like, it was so thrilling to walk by, you know, some of your own posters because you kind of never know where they end up. I love that. So yeah. are you wheat pasted all over Dime Square or all over downtown? So we did a focus on our own neighborhood mm-hmm. because that's obviously such a, a heartbeat of our the DNA of our business. And we did go into Soho and into Tribeca, but yeah. we really did focus in, in Chinatown Lower Side, two bridges, um, Dime wait. Square, if you yeah. will. And I, so I can't actually, wait to see. <laughs> it was really cool. It was it was special to see. That's so cool. I know you're a big natural wine uh, aficionado. Um, Tell me, what did you think of Le Dive? Are you you into those wines? So, you know, we love natural wine and I know you love natural wine too. And I think what really draws me to it is there is so much old school craft about natural wine. Natural wine is the original way that they made wine, just grapes. Sometimes a little bit of ceramic, you know, uh, techniques are applied, but it's just grapes. And there's so much integrity to it, in my opinion, when it's good. Yeah, It's my understanding that the Psalm from La Dive also is the gal who works at the, or has the wine store right underneath my office, um, which is called Leisure. And it was excellent. You know, we love John and the food was tasty. I just don't know that I can ever get in. So I have to go at like five o'clock and excuse myself from work. (laughs) Very, very busy. And now have you noticed any change in traffic now that Nine Orchard, the new hotel has opened? Does it seem easier? Oh yeah. And there's actually a new bar that you and I need to check out, mm-hmm. which was a wine store, I guess it's called Parcel. There's a big okay. green door and that's across the way. So there's no shortage of natural wine in the neighborhoods. So, um, happy hours are plentiful. Very happy. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So are you a sketcher? Do you work from form? What's your process as a designer? It's a combination. So we approach each season foremost with a mood. It's a little different than ready to wear because we're yeah. not selling a full collection sort of dream. We believe that when you approach something from a merchandise perspective, it does feel much more cohesive, even though the the collection really shows full, except for our own website. So this upcoming season, my husband and I took a trip to Sicily, which was awesome. And so this sort of really relaxed way of travel and color palette is going to inform the next season. So with that in mind, I'm very material inspired and millinery as a craft is is slowly dying. So the accessibility to materials is also dying, very limited. And so there's still an incredible braid manufacturer based out of Switzerland, who's doing the the best luxury braids in in the field of millinery. Mm. So we worked with them on some custom braids, some custom Mm. colors, and then it comes back to New York where everything's hand-sewn, hand-blocked. So for me, it's more about materials. So once I'm able to get my hands and sort of focus on the palette and the materials, then I'll go through and sketch. You'll see a lot of the silhouettes repeated from season to season, reinterpreted in different materials. Amazing. Do you feel like you've evolved and changed a lot over the years, like since, you know, first collection out of Parsons to to now? So our business has changed. We are truly a business now. We are blessed to be in majors and independent boutiques and 
those hats are hats that sell. You would yeah. consider that sort of our ready to wear. Whereas when I began, it was much more couture bespoke and we yeah. still have that and we're still able to apply that aesthetic, but yeah. it's, it's more on a made to order basis, commissioned basis, or when we get to do collaborations or special projects for the red carpet, that's mm-hmm. when that original skill set and, and aesthetic really is able to shine. What are some of your highlights, standout collaborations <laughs> or bespoke pieces? It's so fun that I'm a milliner because we are shown so niche. It does a, allow us to do quite a bit of collaborations, yeah. which is so cool because yeah, it, it stretches me. Yeah, And, you know, we have a few incredibly forward dressing clients yeah. who attend amazing weddings and the Met Gala. And yeah. so I always love to be challenged so by cool. them. And then with ready to wear designers or even brands like Disney, we get to interpret other people's aesthetic in our yeah. vocabulary. I love so that. Disney and Star Wars was particularly fun. Oh my God. What did you create for them? Did I see this? I feel like I saw this. Yes. So we were a Halo collaboration, meaning we were a high-end couture collaboration and we were in the higher price point and we were very proudly crafted in America. Mm-hmm. And we did Mickey ear veils oh. and it was um, for Star Wars. We did crystallized Yoda ears. Oh my God. I it was fun. <laughs> Did you keep some for yourself? Of course. Of course. course. And then course. like the Kardashians wore them in the park and we had Lizzo wearing them. So it was, it was cool. It was a combining of audiences. Who is your, do you have like a dream client, dream event, dream, dream moment you'd love to create for? I think that I get to live my dream every day. Yeah. And what is special is you know, you sort of feel like you're faking it all the time yeah. and that anytime anyone will want to buy anything from me yeah. sort of feels like a dream. So right. when people come to the studio and are excited and are encouraging and want to buy the pieces, I'm, that's a little bit of, of a dream. dream every day. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I love that. I always love asking people who are, you know, very specialized what they love and what they hate within the genre. Like, can anyone wear any hat or is there something that is just so ridiculous to you? What is like, can I wear a beret? Like I was watching Bonnie and Clyde last night, the Faye Dunaway. And she's like, so incredible in the beret. And I'm like, can I wear a beret? I don't, I, don't I absolutely think that you can. And we showed a beret for autumn winter 22 and it was the bestseller. I think it's so, super chic, but how do you know it? What you can pull off? It's confidence. And I think that's with any fashion. When yeah. you see someone faking it or, uncomfortable in clothes because they want to be a part of a certain crowd or they feel like they should wear that or they've been told to wear that. Yeah, that's a problem. It reads uncomfortable. It reads forced and it reads inauthentic. When you are confident, which sometimes takes a little bit of push into and you know and as a new sort exactly you look relaxed are there are there any rules though like you know I feel like it's always like know the rules and then break them are there any rules Mm -hmm. to hat wearing that that you find I do find it a little unusual when I see people in the winter wearing straw hats yeah that's like hard now that just seems like wearing you know linen in the middle of winter or something just like 
the wrong materiality for the yes. season. Yes. S- would she be surprised? You're like, really? And so a I wool, think wool hat in the summer would be a problem too, right? Totally. Wool, wool felt. <laughs> and you see people in black yeah. felt hats in June and July, August. And you're like, what? I don't know. It just feels like it would be very stinky. Yeah. That looks hot. What designers, I know you have, you work with so many designers in the New York community. What designers do you love to wear? What are you into in terms of ready to wear? You know, I've been very blessed that when I work with designers, I'm often, you know, able to buy them at a lower price or we do a sort of trade. trade. So, um, you know, my closet is aspirational in that Mm -hmm. sense and it's, it's awesome. And so, you know, one of the brands I'm really excited about and very proud that we collaborated this past fashion week and have at an event is Max. Max Mm -hmm. Osborne, you know, his brand is called An Only Child Mm -hmm. and it's crafted locally, you know, from start to finish. And a lot of it is upcycled and Mm -hmm. the the clothing is so spot on. I have this silk shirt that's, you know, and I'm afraid of color, but it has this beautiful sort of like black ombre of um, red and yellow and, and green. And it's forced me out of my comfort zone. So he's doing such amazing things. And for me, you know, my closet is very simple because I'm often wearing a hat, but I, it's a combination of a vintage materials and one or two you know, statement pieces that I'll invest in each season. And so some of them are European designers, but I do now that I've started closely crafted, have become much more conscious in investing in brands that produce in America, like Monsei and Mirror Palais and Brandon Maxwell. Yeah. Tell me, did you ever, I think we talked about this a while ago. Did you ever read the Bill Cunningham memoir, Social Climbing? No. Oh my gosh. Did we talk about this? I feel like we talked about this. Okay. You have to read this. I'll just send it to you. It's the cutest book ever. I think you're going to fall in love with him, you know, even more. I mean, he got his start as a milliner and he has the cutest story and his hat creations are you know, very avant-garde and yes. really, really artful. And it's honestly just like the cutest. I need a little feel-good moment to inspire that me. So. That one's really fun. Have you seen anything inspiring lately? Done anything? You obviously have been traveling. Anything that... Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like every day I get to do so many exciting things. Well, right now while we're talking, I mean, tomato season. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so exciting. The little we, things to I know, have we're a gorgeous actually, tomato is yeah. like yum. We're we're growing. We have in our you know tiny little patch of green. We have a little garden with herbs, wildflowers, and my mm. five year old and I we started growing tomatoes. So our bunnies so awesome. have eaten most of them. Oh, no. The bunny like every time it's like just about to be perfect and ripe, a bunny comes and eats it. But they're so cute. We don't really mind. But the Tomato plants smell so incredible. Mm. And like, even if you just rub your hands on the tomato leaves, it's yes. just like the best smell ever. I love it so much. It's such a gorgeous smell. So a girlfriend of mine, actually, she started an organic candle company and mm. she is a real pioneer in sustainability when it comes to the candle space, because she's one of the first ones that has an organic cotton wick. But she, it's called NET, N-E-T-T-E, but she has a scent with the tomato leaf in it. Mm -hmm. That that smells amazing. I need to get that for next summer. It's so specific and it's like the wet earth with the tomato leaf is such a sensual smell and it reminds me of this time of year and that's one of the things that's really inspiring me right now. This is kind of one of my last questions. Can you give me a little rundown of hat styles for people who, you know, don't 
don't have the vocabulary? So right now we're really seeing a trend towards brimless. So the Laura, which is a more halo shaped, the Sharina, which is a real iconic shape of ours, which sort of has a beanie spirit to it. Berets, uh, that's having a lot of upward momentum. Buckets, definitely the now. We have soft cut and sew buckets, structured buckets in either felt or straw. Mm -hmm. The fedora category is quite wide. A lot of things can fall into the fedora category. Pretty much anything with a pinched crown. Flat brim, sloped brim, short brim, wide brim, anything with a pinched crown sort of falls under the fedora family. What about a bowler? (laughs) Bowler? To be honest, we haven't worked with a bowler shape in a minute, which I'm so into to the bowler. I mean, I, I just, say, it's like, maybe it's coming back. Maybe it's it could coming be. Back. I, when we first started, we made this like deep egg, eggplant bowler and it, it's, it's a look for sure. Yeah. But that's, yeah, absolutely a classic style newsboy. You were saying luncheon style? Yeah. Luncheon okay. style is like a sort of category. We encompass like fascinators, you know, lo- sort of ladies who lunch. These beautiful decorative mm-hmm. I was telling you there were some great hats in um, when we were catching up over coffee in that show about Joan Crawford and Betty oh, Davis. Yes. The and remake. The it was called Rita, right? I think so. It, it was, I mean, it was about the feud between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis called Feud. Is that right? Could be. Anyways, great hat. And it moment. was at the editor, right? I think so. I don't <laughs> um, yeah, and it was based on a real character, you said. Yes, yes. Yeah. Do you call your hats handmade? Definitely. We, okay. we say handcrafted. I handcrafted. think sometimes made yeah. can get um, feeling not as designer, I suppose. Yeah. Are there any kind of innovative or sustainable materials that you are threading through the collection at this point? Totally. So by nature, the way that we produce is when you sew up straw, there's zero waste. When you block a felt, the waste is so nominal. It's maybe five to 10% of the material. It's not like it's being cut out of yardage where there's remnants. So by nature, this production has been the same for hundreds of years. And, you know, there is no waste. There's very little waste and we'll even save what's left and use it for trimmings. So it's, it's quite conscious in the way that we produce. But what's really exciting is we made a new piece which I, I think I showed you when you came to the studio where we have sandwich grow grain ribbon in between crocheted raffia braid. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. And, and then sewn it up into a shape that looks a lot like a bucket hat, but it results in a fully packable item. I love that so much. And then we're about to enter into fall season. What will you be wearing this fall in terms of your collection? We show our core collection kind of right now in this back to school period. So it's a nice sort of transition from the summer. It's our core silhouettes, very simply trimmed, much more sculptural. And there's a gorgeous pecan sort of toasty camel color, which I'll be pairing with whites well after Labor Day denim leather jackets. And then once we hit October, November, December, that's when our main collection comes out and you'll see berets and sort of more festive hair accessories. Yeah. Holiday, holiday. Exactly. Trimmings. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, did you guys get to that winery when you were upstate? We we drove past it like three times. And each time (laughs) I was like, I need to go and at least pick up a couple bottles. Yeah. But no, because we were in Ghent and we were in um, Hudson, which Mm -hmm. I loved Hudson so much. And by the way, the Maker Hotel is. Was it amazing? 
so fantastic. Great food, great cocktails, great wine. The bakery program there is insane. Mm. I mean, I just loved the maker. I can't wait to go back. And yeah, we were mostly in Ghent and I, I drove past that natural winery so many times, but it was like a hundred degrees out. Yeah. We had our kids. It was like yeah. such a thing. So I didn't get a chance to pop in, but I'm going to be, you know, going up there more and more. Next so. time. Yeah. In the For fall, sure. you could even take the kiddos and let them run around. I want to do that. Cause like, that was more of my vision for this. And we went to Ardo Mai and we did great outdoor things, but I'm, you know, it was during that heat wave and it was like a hundred degrees out and it was just like, not and even with the dog, you don't want the dog outside like that no, for sure. It's just too much. So. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got for you today. I'm going to let you get on your way. I know you have a Thank busy you day. So I'm much. so happy this to talk everything. to you. Thank all right, you ladies. so much. I'll talk so to you good later. To see you. Thanks talk to you again. soon.